Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode about the book The Advice Trap by Michael Bungay-Stanya. Keep listening to find out how you need to stop thinking you're better than everyone else. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. And I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 31st of March, although I saw quite a funny meme earlier that said today is March the 97th, because it's felt like quite a long and strange month, hasn't it? If we think back to where we were at the beginning of the month, where we were out doing things and socialising and sitting next to other people in various indoor rooms, and that is quite different now. Now, I've been carrying on doing the podcast and bringing content because I think everyone needs a bit of an escape right now. And I'm still reading books. There are still books to be read. So as long as there are still books to be read and we're still allowed to do that, which I believe is still on the agenda and I won't get fined for, I'm going to keep bringing you these little nuggets of information. Now, I know that you may be out of your normal routine at the moment and maybe not listening to as many podcasts. So hopefully when you come back to this episode in a few weeks time, hi, hello, future you, it'll bring you a little bit of knowledge and wisdom that you're looking for. Now, I actually only read this book very recently, only a couple of weeks ago. It's actually only been out a few weeks and I thought it was really relevant because I'm finding having to have more coaching style or coaching type conversations at the moment. Not that you shouldn't be doing those at any other time, and I think a coaching conversation is usually a good conversation or a coaching approach to a conversation is a good approach to a conversation, but even more so now because we are, no one one knows what we're doing basically. So it's very hard to give advice at the moment because what is gonna work for one person even more so is gonna be different to someone else in their situation, particularly around things like remote work, working from home, because everyone's situation is so unique and the stresses and the challenges is very different from person to person and family to family. So a coaching conversation with your teams is really necessary to really understand the real challenge and get under the, the skin of what the problem really is presenting as. But I'll share some tips and advice from this book on that as we go through. If you haven't heard of Michael Bungay-Stanya, then here is a bit of an introduction to him. My name is Michael. I can hop. Do you want to see me hop? That's how Michael introduced himself to bemused strangers at the supermarket when he was three. But Michael Bungay-Stanya is at the forefront of shaping how organisations around the world make being coach-like an essential leadership behaviour and competency. His book, The Coaching Habit, is the best-selling coaching book of the century, and in 2019, he was named the number one thought leader in coaching and was shortlisted for the Coaching Prize by Thinkers50, which is the Oscars of management. Michael is the founder of Box of Crayons, and Box of Crayons is a learning and development company that helps organisations transform from advice-driven to curiosity-led. He's a compelling keynote speaker who combines practicality, humour and an unprecedented degree of engagement with the audience. He has performed around the world in front of crowds ranging from 10 to 10,000. En route to today, and these are essential parts of his origin story, Michael knocked himself unconscious as a labourer by hitting himself on the head with a shovel, mastered stagecraft and stage fright at law school by appearing in a skit called Synchronised Nude Male Modelling, And his first paid piece of writing was a Harlequin romance-esque story involving a misdelivered letter called Mail Delivery. You can find out more about Michael from his website, mbs.works. Link to that is in the show notes. And one of the things I really like about Michael when I've read 
interviews with him or read some of his or even just in his books but also in some podcasts and interviews I've heard with him it's just his his sense of humor and his irreverence and also just that he doesn't take himself very seriously and he doesn't even take the he takes the content very seriously in a application kind of setting but he doesn't take it seriously in that this is this is business and this is very serious it's very light and that's one of the things I particularly appreciate about his work Speaking of interviews, I've included a link in the show notes to my good friend Leanne Hughes' podcast, The First Time Facilitator. She had Michael on a couple of weeks ago talking about his book and also giving some great advice actually about a lot about not taking yourself too seriously and being lazier and being barely adequate when it comes to your facilitation or your coaching skills. So go and over listen to that link is in the show notes. A little bit about the book though before we get into the big ideas. The Advice Trap is the much-anticipated companion book to the Wall Street Journal best-selling and smash hit, The Coaching Habit. And it's all about how to tame your advice monster. And that is no easy thing. This book untangles the difference between easy change and hard change, tackles the thorny issue of how to change your behavior so you stay curious longer, provides the tools to make you masterful at focus and your conversations irresistible, introduces a new way of thinking about leadership that rests on curiosity and invites in empathy, mindfulness and humility, and so much more. Plus, it's all written in a clear, funny and practical manner. Again, taken from mbs.works, link in the show notes, which is Michael's website. There's also a link in the show notes to Michael's website, which has some downloads and some other resources that follow the book. And over there, you can also sign up to some of the other cool stuff that Michael has going on at the moment. Now, in the show notes over on my brand new website, stephsbusinessbookshelf.com, you can download the image quotes. So if you want to share those yourself, I'll also be sharing them on social media so you can reshare or repost those. But one of the quotes I really liked that's in this week's little quote bank that I've pulled was the quote that if your advice monster is on the loose, people are opting out of your conversations. And this really gave me pause for thought as I was working through the book, as I was reading it, around those situations where that probably has happened and I've been too willing and eager to give advice because it's a very satisfying thing to do, isn't it, to give advice. But knowing that actually that's not helping the person in the long term and eventually people might stop coming to you because you're just too busy giving out advice without really understanding the other person and having a two-way conversation. So with all of that said, let's get into the three big ideas I took from the book, The Advice Trap by Michael Bungay Stania. Number one, the perils of advice. This was to me the most compelling part of the book and it's really what the point of the book is. Now he makes the point that dysfunctional patterns that repeat themselves between individuals within teams and throughout organizations. And this all comes from us falling into that advice trap because if we're giving advice of what we would do in a situation, that will be perpetuated. So all of those bad habits and maybe sometimes not great behaviors or dysfunctional patterns that have started with you, which maybe even started before you, will therefore just keep happening and repeating as that advice is carried forward. Now, researchers also found that advice givers are less likable and they're ineffective at developing others because they're just busy handing out or scooping out advice to people rather than actually stopping to understand with some curiosity what the real challenge is for the other person they're talking to. It can also come across that they're just they're right all the time or they think they're right in their way is the only way, which I'd imagine is what's driving that less likable part of that sentence. 
It also limits change and falling into that advice trap limits change because people can't identify the real challenge themselves. So they're just busy getting advice and then putting that into practice. They don't then develop that habit themselves of stopping and reflecting to think about what they need to do differently. So they'll become quite reliant on you. It stops innovation for that same reason and stops the scale or stops success being scalable because it sticks people in the status quo and the hierarchies and processes that already exist, stops them thinking outside that box. So therefore the trap is giving advice and keeping on giving advice, even though it doesn't work well. But as I said earlier, it's, it's quite satisfying to do because it's, it's quick, it's easy, and we feel nice and important and valued and useful by doing it. So this is where we come into that easy change versus hard change. And there's a quite funny little sort of decision tree in the book that talks about the easy change versus the hard change. And fundamentally, easy change is easy. We want to learn a new thing, we learn it, we get good enough, and then carry on. This is about tinkering with present you. However, hard change, for example, staying curious longer, is about rewiring and redesigning future you. It's that marshmallow test. It's getting two marshmallows in six months time rather than one marshmallow now, but it's hard. So that's big idea number one, the perils of advice. Big idea number two is the types of advice monster. And I hadn't really thought about the types of advice monster, well, because that's a new concept, but the types of, or why we fall into the trap of giving advice a lot before. Michael says that there's three personas of the advice monster. There's tell it, save it, and control it. And when you read into them, they make complete sense. Tell it is probably the most obvious one. It loves the spotlight and it believes it has all of the answers for all of the problems for all of the people. And it's always in a hurry. So we'll see the tell it monster come out a lot more when we're busy, when we're stressed, when there's a lot going on. It's just so much quicker and easier to go, yep, here's the answer, off you go, rather than exploring with the other person what the challenge really is. Save it is the second type of advice monster. It's the rescuer. So it uses the excuse of being helpful. And there's a great sentence in the book around this. It says it has the faint odor of burning martyr, which I like very much. Finally, control it, the third personality of the advice monster. It's more discreet, but it's ever-present. It has delusions of grandeur, and it can't possibly let go, and it can't possibly empower others, because we would then lose that control. Fundamentally, all of them say that you are better than the other person. I'm just going to let that hang there for a moment. By giving advice, you are saying, indirectly, that you are better than the other person. Now I read that over and over again in the book and it was quite impactful. And I'd never thought about it in that particular way or certainly not in that direct a way. I was aware of obviously a lot of the perils of giving advice and spent a lot of time facilitating conversations with teams and around kind of coaching skills and things which move people away from those things and, and put across the perils. But I'd never actually thought about it in such a direct way as by giving advice all the time, you're saying you're better than the other person because only you have the answer and it's not within them. And one of the things I love about coaching and the coaching mindset is that what you're trying to say is the answers are on the inside, the answers are in the other person or in the team or in the organization. They just need coaxing out or they just need coaching out. So big idea number two is the types of advice monster. Finally, big idea number three, and this is pretty fundamental to the whole book, stay curious longer. 
Because the answer is curiosity. There's a couple of key principles and questions in the book. And the three principles that Michael talks about is be lazy, be curious, and be often. Be lazy is a bit about not feeling like you have to carry everything. You have to make all the decisions and come up with all the answers. Be curious kind of speaks for itself. And be often is that coaching shouldn't be this formal thing that happens on a quarterly basis or on an annual basis. It should just be within your normal way of doing things. It's your normal MO is to be a coach and have that coaching mindset and to build that into every interaction you have. There are seven essential questions. And I know that often when I teach coaching skills to to managers and to leaders, one of the things that, and I absolutely found this myself too, was this kind of fear of thinking or overwhelm of, oh, I've got to remember all these questions. What if I ask the wrong question? So Michael gives seven essential questions in the book, which I thought was great because they're fairly easy to remember and you can think about them as a bit of a flow. The seven essential questions are number one, what's on your mind? Number two, and what else? I love that question. That's one of my favorite ones to use, and what else? Number three, what's the real challenge here? Because often what someone presents with as being what's on their mind or what's going on isn't the real challenge. There's something else beneath that. And this is the bit we don't spend enough time on is understanding what's the real challenge. Number four, what do you want? Number five, if you're saying yes to this, what must you say no to? Which helps people think from a slightly more strategic perspective around the conversation you're having or the decisions they're making. Number six, how can I help? And number seven, what was most useful here? Now you don't have to use all of those. You can put your own words around them. You can use one or two of them. You can mix up the order. You don't have to put them in that particular order. Although it might be weird if you start with what was most useful here. But anyway, one of the things to think about is having that little suite or bank of questions in your mind or those go-to ones which will will get to the, the nut of the issue because that's the key. What we're really trying to do and that your one objective is to uncover the real challenge for the other person. My favorite example that I use all the time when I give coaching training is a few years ago when I was running actually a coaching training and we did some real play coaching conversations. One of the participants was coaching another participant and the coachee in that situation presented with the the challenge that she wanted to go on an overseas secondment but wasn't sure what the, the options were or wasn't sure how to go about that. So she wanted to go and work overseas. Now, it would have been very easy for the coach to go, oh, great, well, I know all you have to go do is go and speak to your manager about this, go and get this form, fill it in, send it off and blah, 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 blah. And that would have been done. But instead, luckily, because we were in coaching training, the coach asked the question, why is this important to you? Which is kind of like, what's the real challenge here? So kind of in the similar vein. Now, the other person, the coachee, she replied and said, actually, it's not important to me. Everyone keeps telling me I should go and work overseas because it'll be good for my career, but I actually really don't want to. Now, how great is that example? that if they hadn't asked that next question of the follow-up to ask why is it important or what's the real challenge or what's really going on here, they would have so easily, particularly if they were in a rush and if that was her manager that she was talking to, just given her all the advice on the first bit of information that she shared, which was, I want to go overseas or I want to look into working overseas and how do I don't know how to go about that. Now, the conversation they then had was fantastic because they then went into, okay, what is it you do want? 
oh well, actually I really want to go and get sort of more technical speciality into this other area blah 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 and then they could explore that which was her real challenge was what she actually wanted to do with her career but it's so easy to see how that could have that conversation could not have happened and before long she suddenly sat in an office in Berlin and doesn't really know how she got there or why she's there so this is the key. If you take one thing from this book or this, this podcast about the book, then it would be this, is to uncover the real challenge. Don't just respond to what someone has asked you. Now, of course, you know, caveat here is if someone asks you, where do I find the file for blah, blah, maybe asking them, well, what's the real challenge here? Isn't the thing to do. Obviously, advice does have a place and particularly where it's things like, where do I find this thing? Or who do I talk to for that thing? clearly use your judgment with this. However, there are so many missed opportunities for coaching conversations. So I encourage you, maybe I even implore you to go and give that a go. Next time a team member comes to you and asks you something, ask, think about, think about what is the next question rather than what is the answer. So that was big idea number three, stay curious longer. To recap the three big ideas from the book, the Advice Trap by Michael Bungay Stanya. Number one, the perils of advice. Number two, the types of advice monster. And number three, stay curious longer. Now, if this book appeals to you and you would like to give it a read, you can head over to my website. There's a little bookshelf there where you can buy a copy of any of the books that I've talked about. And it helps support the podcast as well because it's a little affiliate site with the book depository. You can also get in touch with me if you would like to discuss the book, if you enjoyed the book, if you've read it, if you learned something from the podcast. All the contact details, as usual, are in the show notes. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.